Let's do that hockey. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 106. This episode is going to be all on the Buffalo Sabres and their top 10 prospects. If you haven't noticed, the last couple episodes have all been similar themed. I'm going through team by team for NHL trade rumors, ranking the top 10 prospects for every NHL franchise. And on this podcast, I'm having uh, guests who are more experts on those teams than I to go over my top 10 ranking list and basically pick it apart and show me the players I have too high and too low or pat me on the back for a job well done whatever the case may be the expert I brought in for this episode is Buffalo Sabres uh writer podcaster Joe Yurden uh Joe welcome to the show thanks for having me Peter it's uh it's fun to be here and uh talk hockey once again that now that now that the season's on the horizon and prospects especially especially with this team yeah yeah um you know last season i kind of took a back seat to hockey because there just wasn't any i live in ontario so ohl was closed ivy league was closed as well uh those are the two leagues that i know of that just didn't get up and running at any point uh and you know you, you weren't able to go to live games and i'm not as big a fan of the video scouting as i am the live scouting maybe i'm just mm-hmm. a fan i like going to games um so i'm very excited for hockey to be back and cbc announced that they'll be broadcasting uh six chl games on saturday afternoons leading into hockey night in canada i think that's just fantastic news i'm very excited for that announcement today wow, i can't wait that's great yeah i can't wait to see what cbc does with that it'll be great uh, so let's start off by uh, yammering a little bit about the Buffalo Sabres, the team you know very, very well. Um, so let's start off before we dive into specific players. Uh, I kind of like to talk about where the team's at. And for a team that's been, you know, failing to make the, the playoffs for a decade. And in that time, they've had 14 first round draft picks, including, you know, one or two first overalls and second overall picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think that a team that it's been that bad for that long would be on the cusp of, you know, breaking out into some dynasty like run, just loaded <laughs> on the roster and the pipeline would just be gushing with talent. And man, that couldn't be further from the case. They are all in on the draft lottery again this year, going for, you know, right Savoie or Lambert. Um, I got some ideas to how that could be, but I, I would really mm-hmm. love to hear your, in, your more uh, insider insight on why Buffalo has been so bad for so long. Well, part of the reason is, um, well, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> They've uh, in in just the time that I've been in Buffalo, which started in the 13, 14 season, which I, I don't know, nobody's blamed me yet for them uh, being this bad yet. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. But um, ever since then, they, they're on now their fourth GM and fifth or sixth head coach since 20, since the start of the 13, 14 season. I have to like go over that in my head and make sure I don't, don't miss anybody, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a lack of performance. It's a lack of cohesiveness. It's a lack of any sort of aim for what they're, what they're ultimately looking to do. Um, And that changed every GM, which I mean, it's going to, Um, 
And, you know, and there's, there's different things to give different GMs credit for, and there's a lot more to put on each GM's head to blame them for. Uh, but if there's one thing that's been pretty consistent, you know, early on, it's that they've drafted poorly outside of the first round. Um, they've not been able to really hit on any, anything beyond the first round at all in, you know, over the past 10, 11, 12 years, probably even beyond that, apart from, you know, uh, apart from uh, Victor Olofsson, who is a seventh round pick and just kind of like a, a wing it pick from uh, Tim Murray and his scouts. Uh, but that ended up being a great pick because all he does is all he does is fill the net and score on the power play. So um, that, that worked out good, but they haven't had enough hits like that. Oh, granted, you don't want getting a hit in the seventh round is just incredible. Like that's incredibly good fortune and you know, probably some good, good eyes on your scouts to do that. But they haven't really been able to pull anything much out of those deeper rounds uh, that's been able to hit the NHL. I mean, I mean, it'd be great to get a starter, but at least get a handful of guys that maybe get, you know, 50, 60, 70 games in the show and just say, all right, this guy's going to get an honest to goodness shot and let's go with it. But, um, but, but drafting has definitely been a big issue. Um, you know, uh, the coaching stuff is, is nutty because it's it, everybody with different styles and it just, either ran afoul of the room or it just didn't work. And uh, that was very apparent last year while, you know, Ralph Kruger was, was trying to make them a slow it down, win every game one to nothing or two to one kind of team. And they, they weren't, they weren't built to do that. <laughs> they were not built to do that kind of, that kind of hockey. And they were uh, they're they're in a position now where things are, it's being handled more directly by people that the Pagulas trust in Kevin Adams. And now Adams has brought in people that he trusts uh, with Jason Carmanos as the assistant GM uh, and Sam Ventura as, as their head of analytics. Um, these are really good people to have on board because they've got winning experience from elsewhere, especially in the management part of things. Uh, you know, Ventura, Ventura has been such a good, good great person to have in Pittsburgh for a while I mean he was, was very very helpful in them winning back-to-back -back cups and as far as a statistical mind which people in Buffalo have been begging them to get more out of the, get out of the stone age and start paying attention to some of these deeper numbers they couldn't have asked for a better guy than than Sam Ventura he's on he's on the same level as Eric Tulski in Carolina like these th these are the kind of people you need to be you need to be bringing on, especially when you're trying to tighten the purse strings a little bit. So um, I think they're pointed in the right direction, but the past 10 years, it's just been constant mistakes and constant mishaps where you're, you know, you, you, you get Jack Eichel in the lottery and then you don't really get anybody to put around him, or, you, you know, you don't get enough good draft picks or to put around him, or you let, you don't get a long-term deal done with Sam Reinhardt. So you end up having to trade him, or, you know, you know, you end up overplaying Rasmus Ristolainen to a point where any like any perceived value for him might have been gone. Except Philly, Philly changed that this year, but um, but it's it's just like mistakes just piled on mistakes. And if one if one mistake happened one year, it it piled on over the years, and that that's it's really unfortunate because the fans here are so into they're so into the team and you know, you see how like Bill's fans are and how crazy they are. And it's like, these are the same fans that root for the Sabres, like just get a winning team and the, the place will go nuts. Like, you know, when they had their 10 game winning streak a few years ago, place was packed, place was going bananas. And 
people were loving it. And even uh, two years ago, they started off hot in, in October. And same thing. Fans were excited. They're just, wow, this team scores all the time. The power play, Carter Hutton was playing great. And then the wheels fell off. And then everybody's just like, ah, same old Sabres. There we go. But yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you're optimistic for the future. And that's encouraging because they do have one of the most you know, passionate and, and educated about hockey and loyal fan bases in the NHL. But at the same time, there's been some events that you don't even have to go back 10 years that really make you shake your head and think like things are not going to get better before they get worse. They fired their entire scouting staff before the 2020 draft. And then in the draft, they, they pick from the Ottawa 67s and everyone's smiling and nodding like, yep, this is going to be a good pick. And then they picked Marco Rossi. They got the wrong Ottawa, or sorry, not Marco Rossi, Jack Quinn. They got the wrong, wrong guy. Uh, the way they've handled the Jack Eichel situation is, I think, not very encouraging for Sabres fans. Um, and then, you know, this, this offseason, they've, they've purged the roster of, you know, some of their more high-impact guys like Reinhardt, Aristolainen, and, and Linus Allmark showing that they're all in on, on the rebuild again. Um, I, I think that the most important thing that faces this franchise for the next decade will be if they trade Jack Eichel, what do they get for him? And in the article, I said, you know, if they can pull off a trade, like what Colorado Quebec did when, when they traded Eric Lindros to Philadelphia and they got quite a haul. Yeah, for Lindros and it set them up for a nice little run and, and a championship or do they get the same kind of return that you know something like what Boston got for Joe Thornton which kind of amounted to a handful of magic beans mm-hmm. um, that could be just absolutely devastating um, and then I also am concerned about what's uh, what they do with Rasmus Ristola, or Rasmus Dahlin mm-hmm. One yeah. silver lining that I, I that gives me some glimmer of hope is, you know, they had the first overall pick this past draft in 2021, and they selected Owen Power first overall, which uh, I'm fine with. I'm not sure if that would have been my pick, but, you know, hey, that's, I don't dispute him going number one. And there seems to be this ridiculous unwritten rule that first overall NHL draft picks have to go straight into the NHL. Like you'd have to go back mm-hmm. like over a decade to find one that, that didn't and the results haven't always been great in fact you know recently they've been they've been underwhelming and mm-hmm. buffalo resisted the temptation to force him to come out of college and and play on a terrible team that's that's trying to tank and put him in a situation where he'll have all kinds of pressure and expectations and on a losing team as opposed to what they've decided to do is allow him to go back to college on a super loaded michigan roster where he'll be able to play for Team Canada at the World Juniors and lead the Wolverines into the Frozen Four and hopefully a championship and maybe even a, a Hobie Baker and really just pump his, his the tires on his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, that's kind of a, a great overview of, of where the Sabres uh, are right now as a franchise and they're drafting and developing. It's not been great. It's hard to miss when you're picking in the top five, but it's easy to screw those players up. And I wonder if, you know, they've, they've learned from mistakes and, and having Owen Power go back to University of Michigan is a, is a sign of better decisions in the future. And let's use Owen Power as a, as a nice little segue because he is my number one ranked prospect for the team as well. Um, 
let's yeah, I'll just throw it right back to you here. Uh, Tommy, would you have him as your number one guy as well in, in their system? Uh, considering that guys like uh, Darlene Cousins, Middlestat, and Olofsson, they've all they've all graduated off of this list one way or another by age or games played. Yeah, no, I, Powers Powers definitely the number one guy. Uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to find somebody that is on that same level as him. And there was some consternation with with Sabres fans hoping that you know maybe a defenseman isn't the right pick because you know things have Darlene's hit a wall probably not of his own building um, in Buffalo. Uh, I think that comes more from him being already on his third coach <laughs> in Buffalo after three after three seasons. Right. Um, and you know, defensemen, you know, the, the defenseman development uh, scale is always different from forwards. Like forwards almost, if you're, if you're a number one pick forward, you could almost always jump into the NHL immediately and help. Whereas defense, defense is a tougher position and it requires a little bit more growth. It requires more learning and it requires a, a, li- a little bit more development and letting power do that on a loaded team he's basically playing on an NHL team that's playing in the NCAA. I mean, four, four of the top five picks in this past draft were, are all going to Michigan or, or we're already at Michigan. So that's, that to me makes a ton of sense because he's playing with an elite team um, that will probably go very deep into the season. Uh, they should win the big 10, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin will probably try to have something to say about that, but um, they should win the big 10. They should be the hands-on favorites, uh, to win the national title. So um, letting him be a big man on campus, letting him have a college experience, like a real college experience. You know, last year wasn't a real college experience. Like that was, right. it's a little bit, that was a little bit sketchier, but this year it's going to be the real deal. Like, you know, full houses, the band, the whole, you know, the whole nine yards. So go have that fun, have that, have that experience, go win a title and then come to Buffalo after, after the season's over with maybe, get your nine games in nine or 10 games or, you know, because the season goes to the end of April now. So, um, so we get, you know, get him a look, get him practicing with the Sabres and then get him ready for next year. So yeah, he's number one with the bullet and for, for very good reasons, he's going to be, he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. And when you think about if they can find a way to hold on to Darlene too, and, and prevent him from demanding a trade uh, you look at a potential future for the next 10 to 15 years of having those two towers of power anchoring your blue line. Um, that's pretty exciting. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff you, you win championships with having those defensemen, you know, the a comparison I can think of off the top of my head that I really come to quickly is what Anaheim had when they had Pronger and Niedermeyer and, and won a Stanley mm-hmm. cup there. Um, now I'm not comparing these guys to those, you know, legendary hall of fame players, but no, these guys are both, first overall picks so it might not be that big of a stretch that their career upside could could get close to that sort of territory mm-hmm. oh yeah no absolutely and you know getting Darlene right is going to be a huge part of that um just letting him play as opposed to trying to make him a you know a, a square peg in a round hole and try to jam him into a system where it works every way against his natural abilities um, and I think Don Granado is going to get that correct <laughs> this year. And if he doesn't, yikes, <laughs> yikes is, is all is, is all I can say to that is because if they can't get him right, man, that's that hurts, especially when you see Svechnikov just lighting it up in Carolina. And, you know, he he was taken what, two picks after Darlene. So it's like, OK, all right. Like, please just get it right. Like screwing up Darlene would be 
unforgivable uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that they they made the right choice. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can always have the advantage of of hindsight, but at, at the time of the draft, there it was Rasmus Dahlin, and there wasn't really any question about it. He was the, mm-hmm. the top prospect, in my opinion, anyways. Um, now, if he doesn't pan out, you could certainly make an argument that that's not his fault. He was misdeveloped and uh, and put in a situation for to fail. Um, I guess time will will tell. Let's move a little bit down the list here, though, and, and move on to my number two guy. Uh, I went with their first selection from the 2020 draft, who they picked eighth overall. I mentioned him a little bit uh, ago, Jack Quinn, and they picked him from the Ottawa 67s which I thought was shocking because I didn't even think he was the top ranked player on that team going into Mm -hmm. the 2020 draft. And I was very surprised when they skipped over Marco Rossi to select him. Um, I'm not sure if you were as surprised uh, and how he's developed since then a little bit, but you know, he had a bit of a rough season. He only got into, I think it was about 20 games uh, not being able to play in um now he played less than 20 games. So that's something we'll talk about. Uh, not being able to play in the OHL because of the lockout. Um, you know, how, how do you, how did he look last year? You watched him play more than me. Yeah. He, I mean, being a 19 year old in the AHL is difficult and you know, it's, it's made even more difficult when the competition level is a little bit stranger because you know, uh, every NHL team had a taxi squad. So a lot of the top AHL guys were, were hanging around with the NHL clubs, you know, practicing and doing, doing all that stuff. But um, in Quinn's case, that's such a, it's such a difficult adjustment. We saw that happen with, with Alex Nylander as well. You know, when he went right to Rochester, it was very difficult for him to, to, to fit in. And that was the makeup of that Rochester team was, was very veteran. And they, they kind of got on his case a little bit too much. I mean, it, it's tough when you, when you show up immediately as a first round pick kid and, you're trying to fit into a room with like a lot of guys that have been around the bend uh, for a bit. Uh, but in Quinn's case, this is all part of the, the, what they want to do in Buffalo. They want to develop. Like that's something that they've stressed that Kevin Adams stressed that, you know, the day he was hired, like they want to develop and they want to develop better and having Quinn play in the AHL. Like yeah, it was the only place he was really going to be able to play. Now, looking back, you could have said like, well, we could have got him in, you know, get him a Sweden, get him a contract in Sweden, or Finland or Germany or someplace like that, where you can get them games, maybe at a closer level where it's not going to be as not be as physically demanding as the AHL is, you know, give them, give them some ice, give them some room to, to be able to skate and do whatever. But, um, but he struggled and it, without a doubt, he struggled. And he also uh, had a, he, he missed the end of the season with a sport hernia. He had to go get that right. operated on. And so that was hard. Um but I'm more interested to see what he can do this year. I hope, I hope he's not pushed up into the NHL before he's ready, because I think that would be a huge mistake. Well, here's the thing. There's the transfer agreement that's in place between the CHL and the NHL is the player has to play in the CHL or the NHL until they turn 20 or play out their four years of junior eligibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Jack Quinn has one more season to go, but because there was no, he's 20 now. He was uh, uh, he was a, he was an older prospect when he was drafted, not quite an overager, but he was like an old eighteen or nineteen. I think he's twenty now. He's, ni- he's nineteen right now. He turns twenty on September nineteenth. So okay. <laughs> technically, we're both, close. we're both yeah. right. 
Um, okay, cool. So, <laughs> I, so I'm not, he's got two full seasons, the 18, 19, 19, 20, he played with the 67s. And then last year would have been his third season. So uh, I'm not sure if he's got one more season of eligibility for the CHL left or not, but if he does, he doesn't qualify for the exemption that, that they've rolled out for this post COVID season, where if a player played 20 games or more in the American hockey league, if even if they're a CHL eligible, they can, they can play in the, in the American hockey league um, or the NHL, or the team can send them back to junior if they want. Yeah. So I'm not really sure what the best course of action would be for Jack Quinn. Uh, even if he's eligible to play in the American hockey league, uh, I'm not sure that's the best path for him at this point. The only option that I'm pretty confident I wouldn't like to see him play in is in the NHL on Buffalo in this, what's going yeah. to be a very, very long season. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Where, where would you like to see him play? I, I He's in a really tough spot uh, because he's practically an overager and I don't know what more he's going to accomplish playing in Ottawa. Um, that's probably the better place for him. Um, because I, I, I don't know that I'd want him really going through the ringer in the AHL for a full season or not. Um, but I mean, if he has to, he has to, like, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. And he's going to have other young guys, younger guys there with him. Like, uh, Paterka is going to be in Rochester. Um, you know, Oscar Loxanen is there already, you know, Matei, Matei, uh, Matei Pikash is there. Um, there are younger guys on that team. So, uh, it's not like he's going in there where there's just a bunch of adults around the room and he's got to, he's got to try to figure things out. But um, I, it's so tough for guys like that. And Buffalo has been down this road before with Mikhail Gregorenko where they were just like, they dabbled with like, no, we'll keep him in the NHL. Then they're just like, Oh crap. No, he's not ready. Let's send him, let's send him back to juniors. And they're like, you know, he's got to go. And then they tried to screw around and keep him in the AHL, you know, on a rehab assignment, even though he wasn't injured, like just, bunch of screwy stuff but um but yeah it's i don't know i when they made that pick i i was one of the people that after i forget who picked in front of him but i said they should run to the podium and, and take rossi so if they if they don't they don't take rossi they're they're that's stupid because the rumors were it was between quinn and rossi and i was like man you can't take quinn you can't take quinn like you got rossi on the board take rossi and Right. They took Quinn, but I, I, I don't know. To me, that that screamed like they saw fifty goals, and they're just like, "Well, we need a goal scorer, so get him." But it's it screamed um, to me they fired their scouting staff. <laughs> That's also probably part of it too. But man, but yeah, I the you know, what's done is done, and now everybody in Buffalo wants to say that. Well, people gave up on Josh Allen before he became a thing with the Bills, and Jack Quinn can be that too. And I was like, well, I mean, if he does, awesome. That's cool and kind of unexpected, but I'm um, just not. I, I'm not a believer yet, and it was very difficult to judge anything based on last year. Hey, Columbus picked Pierre-Luc Dubois ahead of um, Jesse Pugliarvi, and that shocked a lot of people on draft day. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not turned out amazing, but it's not bad. Yeah. Um, they ended up trading him for lining, so that worked out pretty good, too. <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, Paterka. He's number three on my list. So Power Quinn Paterka are my top three and then uh, it's a bit of another well Owen Power is in a tier of his own um, yeah. Quinn and Paterka I, I have them in, in the next tier do you kind of see their depth kind of the same way there 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm very bullish on Paterka. I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Um, he's showed me a lot playing internationally with Germany. Uh, I really like the way he played uh, there. Obviously, playing with Stutzla helps. Um, like that's <laughs> that's a really good thing to do is is to have a guy like Stutzla as your uh, as your centerman. But um, but I think he's I think he's got a real good chance to be a very strong player. And I think. Provided he's playing, I, I believe he's going to be playing in Rochester this year. I don't think he's going to go back to Germany. Um, I think he's, I think he's got a chance to really show off. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, obviously, but um, I, I love his skill. I love his tenaciousness on the puck. I love that he seems to just be a very aggressive forechecker and uses it to create offense as opposed to just frustrating defenses and trying to keep them penned in. He, he likes to turn it into offense and that, that to me says a lot about him. And I mean, he's not, he's not a huge guy. He's not like, you know, he's not a big bruiser or anything like that, but man, he's just, he's just so dogged with it. And I like that about him. And that's something I, I want to see more from this team and as a whole, because I think they they can be very effective with that. But, uh, but the way he plays, man, I, I think he's got a chance. Like, it, I think you have it ranked correctly, but if you put Paterka ahead of Quinn, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have argued about it. Yeah. He's a, he's a darling player for me too. There's a couple of things that endear me to, to players and that's good performances at the world junior. I'm, I know that it's a rabbit hole and I'm a sucker for it. And I've been burned on it in some of my fantasy drafts reaching for guys. Cause I fell in love with them at the world juniors, but the way he plays with all kinds of Charlie hustle is something that I really like too. You know, I like that aggressive forechecking, dog on a bone hound for the puck believes that the other team doesn't have the privilege to, to hold the puck. It's his. Yeah. I, I really, I really, I really like that, that style of play, that moxie and that jam and, He's got lots of it. And the world juniors is an impressive performance as well. Cause Germany, if you remember, was desperately undermanned because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They basically had, I think like nine forwards or, or less for some yeah. games. Um, so he was, you know, they don't have a deep roster. So his line with Florin Illash and, um, and Stutzla were getting all the minutes they could handle to begin with. And then mm-hmm. when you, you know, shorten the bench in half, then it was just, kind of ridiculous and yet he rose to the occasion uh i thought that was really impressive uh so moving down on the list um i'm thinking it's time to start looking at some of the other players that they drafted in uh in the last draft there and i've got uh isaac rosen right here uh this is one that you could convince me maybe i have a little bit too high or maybe you like him here as well uh, he's a first round pick 14th overall in the 21 draft, little undersized five eleven, very light one fifty nine. but you know, that's something that can, that can be addressed potentially. Um, what do you like about his game? You know, I, what I like most, and this is to me, this is always the tell when you pick a guy from Sweden or Finland or Germany, if they were, if they're 17 or 18 playing in the top league, that's a huge compliment. And he was getting, your, your minutes are usually are limited in those leagues. And that's, I mean, that's the case for everybody, but he looked pretty good uh, considering, I mean, that's, you can get some, get a couple of points, which I mean, he literally got a couple of points, but, um, but when you're that age playing in that, you know, playing at that level of a league, to me, that's impressive already, because that means you're, you're a certain level of elite uh, to be able to compete at that level. So um for me, I mean, he's obviously going to stay in Sweden. I think he's already, they're already playing in Sweden, I think, already, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe they're in preseason, but yeah. Um, he's so got I'm very, Yeah, I, I think, yeah. So I'm very anxious to see how he performs this year because 
Um, Cause when you grow on things like that, that's, that's how, that's how you, that's how you just let these guys go, uh, you know, away from, away from your own eye in North America. Like you just let them play and let them get it figured out, stay in contact with those coaches over there and, and make sure you, you've got, if they have people on the ground there to watch him play even better. Um, but making sure that he's getting the play that he needs and he's in the right situations. Like that's, that's going to be most important. That's what I'll be very curious to watch, but I like, I like what I've seen from him. I think his, he's got a nice little shot. He's got some nice moves uh, in the offensive zone. So um, going with guys that have skill and ability and some speed to them is, is a nice change uh, from the, what we've usually seen from, from Sabres drafts in the past where, you know, if you're, if they're picking mid round, like they were there, um, that's a, you know, that's a spot where sometimes they would get a heavier forward or, you know, they would maybe get a defenseman there. Um, and that to me is like, well, if you want a heavy forward, you better make sure he scores some damn goals. Uh, so I think in Rosen's case, uh, he's a guy that, that I, I want to see him fill the net or at least creating goals uh, for his team in Sweden, but I'll be very curious to see how it goes. But I, I like, I like the pick because it, he was a little bit off my radar. Also, I didn't think the Sabres would have uh, two picks in the top 15 either. So, um, so when that changed up, that, that sort of changed my view. And I was like, okay, who else we got here? But Rosen's a nice little pick for him. Yeah. The scouting community, I don't think had much complaint about him going where he was drafted. Uh, you know, maybe a tad high by some people, but right in that, in that area, um, he's a little undersized. I didn't see much of him play. Um, so most of my scouting was done online, reading other people's reports. And if you look at his stat line, it's, it's very underwhelming. Uh, he played yeah. 22 SHL games and had one assist, no goals, minus six. I did see him play at the World Juniors, of course, with Sweden. And, you know, in his peer group, he looked great there at the, uh, at the U18s. Seven goals, nine points in seven games. So, you know, his shot was on dis- full on display there. Uh, and then, you know, you can see his, he's got, he's got wheels too. So he's a burner and he's got a bit of a, an NHL kind of shot. Just got to get a little stronger and, uh, throw him back in, in the oven. He's a slow cooking kind of prospect, I think. So time will tell with him, but he definitely is, is intriguing going back on to the list. Number five, I, I hit the, the blue line again. Sabres got a lot of defense. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, I like uh, I like Ryan Johnson at a number five on my list. Uh, University of Minnesota, twenty year old. This is his uh, his junior Here season you. in NCAA, yeah. I believe, with the Golden Gophers. Um, he's been just kind of nicely, slowly developing there. He's a great skater. I don't see him as having the same sort of upside or even close to it as Owen power or Rasmus Dahlin. But, uh, you know, when you, you've got those two guys ahead of you, you don't have to be a number one defenseman that job's taken. And yeah. I think he should settle in nicely as a good puck moving two way defenseman. You, you won't see any power play time. He doesn't have a shot for it. Uh, you know, his, his shot could use a lot of work, but, um, if his role is to join the rush, lead the rush, create transitional offense, you know, his skating ability uh, will allow him to do that very easily. And he's got decent size. He's six, one little light 174, but you know, he could put some weight on at college and he's, uh, he's got an opportunity to play some, some good minutes for the golden gophers this season. Uh, do you think I have him right on too high, too low? No, I like, uh, I'm, 
I've been a big John Ryan Johnson supporter um, since they made that pick. A lot of people grumbled about it because you know they were because I think the Sabers had trade. No, no, that was the pick they got from the Blues in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Um, so they uh, so some fans were already upset about having that pick in the first place. But um, but his his play, it, you're right. He's been slow cooking. Um, his freshman year wasn't very impressive. Um, and a lot of people said, man, they just blew it. They blew a first round pick. They should have taken Kaliev. They should have bought, you know, done, you know, X, Y, and Z things with that pick instead. Uh, last year, I thought he was outstanding. I thought, uh, you know, Minnesota's a much better team. He's got a, he's got a, I mean, he's got some better teammates there. Um, maybe a couple of his, uh, defensive, uh, partners are a little bit stronger, uh, than he is or popped off a little bit more. Um, doesn't, doesn't affect how he played and how I perceived him though. He's, he's, he showed me last year that he's had so much growth. Forget the uh, motorcycle rally going past the, going past my place here. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, but, but I think Johnson's got a chance to really, really show what he's got this year, because I'm, I'm pretty convinced he's going to wind up playing some games in Buffalo at the end of the year. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time, you know, he'll play this season out and probably sign a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but what helps him the most, honestly, his, his dad's Craig Johnson. And it's nice to have a NHL player as your dad who helps, who helps you out and, and helps you coach along and, and whatnot. Um, and they, I mean, they work together really well. They work together a lot and Ryan leans on his, leans on his old man to, to get, to get some of those tips. And, you know, Craig is able to, to kind of give him some guidance there, but playing for Bob Motzko, having Craig Johnson as your, as your dad and your at home coach, that's two pretty great things to have in his corner. I think when he comes out, he's going to be, he's going to be a strong player. I you're right with power and Darlene ahead of him. Like he's not going to, he's not going to get first or second pair minutes probably like, but if you got a guy like that in your third pair, I'd say you're rolling pretty well. Yeah. And then we move on down the list and bam, there's another defenseman. One of the fastest rising prospects in the organization too, um, Oscar Laxanen. Um, he had a pretty nice season debuting in the American Hockey League last year. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what could be his future this season. Jacob Bryson's graduated to the NHL. He's moved on. Uh, they lost uh, Will Borgen to Seattle in the expansion draft. I think he's leapfrogged uh, Matthias Samuelson on the depth chart. So I think it's he's the, the number one defenseman in Rochester. Um, a 6'2", 165. Again, not much of an offensive defenseman, but I mean, you got this big, smooth skating, lanky defenseman. If he can make it to the NHL and round out the Sabres' bottom six, that's starting to look like a pretty nice decor. And it's reminding me of what I said at the beginning about franchises having this rock solid blue line uh, with, you know, your two stud workhorses and then development of, of promising prospects like Ryan Johnson and um, Oscar Laxon. And, you know, the, the future is starting to look a little bit bright here. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked Laxon's offensive ability uh, going back to when he was playing in Finland. Uh, I thought his ability to move the puck and his skill there and his speed were going to be very helpful. You know, you play in the big ice and it's a little bit different. You don't really see the speed quite as much there. Um, but, you know, Finnish players, if there's a stereotype about him, they're always going to be pretty solid defensively. And I think that's the case for him. I would like to see it be a little bit better, a little bit stronger in Rochester, but he was able to jump in and do some power play stuff last year. Um, Seth Appert's a, a very good coach. Uh, he knows his stuff. And Loxon was a guy that I was very curious to see how he was going to play in his first year over here. But to me, it was a little bit of a bumpy start, but 
I, I think he's, he's fitted very well. He had a lot of points last year considering, um, but I, I, what, I will disagree with you on one thing. I don't know that he's passed Matias Samuelson on the list necessarily, but those two guys, their games couldn't be more opposite. Like that's, that's, that's the thing with, with both of them. And, um, but, uh, but with Loxton and I want to see if he can build on last year, this year in Rochester and really make a push. I, I would love to see him make a push during training camp this year and really start to maybe, you know, get some eyeballs on him and say, like, oh, Hey, maybe we got, maybe we got another guy here. Like that would be, that would be a huge boost to them. Sabres defense is a bit more improved this year than it was last year, which I know it sounds crazy to think with the, with the crew that they've got, but um, I think they will be a little bit stronger. So it might be more difficult, but letting him get more AHL games this year. And I know he's 22, but um, maybe if he gets a peak at some point this year in the NHL, that would be great to see because there it was, he was still a bit of an unknown when he came over. You're just kind of like, all right, let's see what he can do. And yeah, he did very well last year. I, you know, you, I, you're right. I like that. You're bullish on him. I like, I like that a lot. Um, but he's uh, but I'm going to be very curious to see what he does uh, this year when the competition is going to be a little bit stronger in the AHL. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's an important season for him, and how this season goes, I think, will have a lot to do with the the rest of his development trend in his his career. If it the needle points up or down after this year, I think that'll be the overall impact the way it's going to go for him. So you like that I've got him behind uh, Ryan Johnson, but maybe not ahead of Samuelson. Um, spoiler alert, Samuelson didn't make my top 10, not because <laughs> I, I dislike him immensely. It's just, mm. you know, I've already got a couple of D on the list here. And, um, yeah. you know, we got to talk about some other guys who uh, I just like better. And the next two, we got a pair of goalies here. And, you know, when I was doing the ranking, I was flip-flopping these guys back and forth a little bit. You know, it's it's Ukapekalukanen, and Eric Portillo, and I'm like, uh, UPL, you know, he's, uh, he's got a high draft pedigree. He was, you know, he's, he's got a, a pretty good um, trophy cupboard where he's won the Red Tilson Award as the OHL's most outstanding player, not just best goalie, but the best player in the Ontario Hockey League. He's played, uh, you know, time in the Liga over in Finland um where you know he looked very good over there uh world junior gold medal all-star in the tournament you know pretty impressive uh yeah. and then but last year just kind of didn't really pan out for him uh ended it on a on an injury i believe he got yes. made his nhl debut didn't look great um so you know oh maybe i'm a little bit too excited on him let's look at portello you know he's got good minutes playing in the USHL. And then last year, you know, he's a, another university of Michigan prospect here. That's two for the Sabres. Uh, and he was back up to Strauss man last season, but he's going to be going in this year as the starting goalie. And this team is going to be dynamite. I'm like, so here's an example of a sleeper prospect who, you know, comes in at number eight on my list, but next year he could easily be in like the top three. Um, yeah. if he has, uh, the, the kind of monster season that I think he could possibly have, if he doesn't do great in Michigan this year, he'll be off my list entirely and <laughs> off my radar. Uh, so I ended up going, uh, seven and eight here, giving the edge to, to UPL over Portillo. Um, how, what, what's your thoughts on, on these two goalies? They're both great. What do you like about them? I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for UPL because a, a lot of his development since he became since he came over to North America has been stunted by just 
you know, he had the double hip surgery um, after he came out of Sudbury. Um, and that was just like a, a thing they were, they were getting out ahead of it to do that. Um, and then uh, his first year, he spent the time splitting between Cincinnati and Rochester. And not, not because he deserved to be in Cincinnati. It was just like they needed to get him games. And, you know, they were kind of set in Rochester with goaltending. So they, they needed to get him starts, get him as many minutes as he could. And, and playing for Matt Thomas in Cincinnati, is a, that was a really, really good spot for him to, to do it. And he played great. I think he was an ECHL all-star uh, midway point through that year. So um, he played outstanding. But the, the adjustment to Rochester was a little bit difficult uh, that season. Um, just because, it, you, know, it's, you know, it's obviously a step up in talent. Uh, it's a step up in speed too, but he's a, he's a guy that every place that he's gone, he's been able to adjust after a year and he's been able to, to improve and get and build on that. So I'm looking for him to be able to do that this year. And I think the way things are set up in goal for the Sabres this season, he's going to have every opportunity to win the backup job, uh, and push for more starts in Buffalo. I think that's, you know, when you sign Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell for your, as your NHL one, two, I'm not sure what you're really doing there, unless it's, you're looking to, looking to have Dang. a bad time. <laughs> right. But they signed Anderson with the, with the specificity that they wanted, they wanted him to be a teacher essentially like an on the job guy to teach the ropes. And that to me says they want Luke and to be the backup, but, um, but we'll see like, Goaltending is so weird and it's goaltending is so strange that I, it's so tough to predict it and putting him anywhere on the list makes it really hard. But uh, Portillo, you're right. If he doesn't perform this year, yikes, not great. Not great. So he should have, Portillo should have a monster year. Uh, I like that. He's going to be I'm a counting on UPL. It. Yeah, I, I would too. Um, so I, I hope that UPL can feel the footsteps coming behind him, knowing that he's going to have somebody pushing him right away for, for a job in Buffalo, or maybe they will be partners in Buffalo. I think that's what I think the Sabres really hope would happen, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a big year for UPL. I think it's a big year for him to prove it, but also because he's going to get the opportunities to. And you want to see him as a backup in the NHL this season. Is that really the environment you want him in? He's 22 goalies can take a lot longer to develop. I, I wonder if he would not maybe be best served getting a lot of starts in the American hockey league on a roster that has the potential to be, you know, good. Um, and building his confidence, building his, his game and his experience and, and just playing, uh, as opposed to, you know, practicing with the Sabres, he was on the taxi squad a lot last year. So, you know, his, the amount of games he played last year were limited for a couple of reasons, COVID related injury Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, I think personally, I'd, I'd rather see him play more in the American Hockey League. And you can count on Anderson getting injured at some point. Um, you know, maybe call him up for a couple of uh, short stints in the NHL and give him a few starts, let him back up a little bit. But for the most part, play in the American Hockey League. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what happens with him. I think the worst case scenario would be they ran with like three goalies or whatever and just kind of mm-hmm. use him as a practice goalie and wasted the season yeah um if there's one thing upl has working for him though the year he played in sudbury uh i made sure to go watch a few of his games when he when he came near buffalo and i don't know that i ever saw a team so actively afraid of playing defense in front of a goalie (laughs) that i did with sudbury because he faced so many shots the whole season and like 
I know he wasn't, he wasn't even like in the top five of shots face, but uh, there's so many games where he had like 40 plus saves and he's just standing on his head and it's just like, wow. Okay. And he didn't have very much defensive help at all. And he was able to play exceedingly well with that kind of action going on around him. So if he is in Buffalo and if that is how things turn out, he might be the most prepared guy to, de- to deal with that kind of barrage. Well, if that's the case, I wish him, I wish him all the best. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that was seven and eight. Uh, you, are you good with the, the ranking there as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And like, I, I know some people might want to have UPL up higher just because, you know, he's knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. uh for, for getting in the league but I, I i think we're in the same i think we have an agreement here uh that we got to see it like we got to see it and we got to see him kind of prove it uh, yeah. a little bit first uh number nine on my list i'm going with the the undersized offensive winger and r2 rustalainen um he's an interesting character 23 years old undrafted signed as a free agent so you know a nice a nice snag there potentially uh he started off Last season in Liga, um, I'm not sure it was last season, but he had 43 points in 44 games in 1920. Uh, so he's he's shown that he can score at the pro level. Uh, came over to the American Hockey League last year, five goals, 13 points in as many games. That's last time I checked, that's pretty good. Got him a call up to the NHL, five goals in 17 games with the Sabres. That's also very good. Um, and then he played with Finland at the world championship, scored four more goals there on, on their way to a silver medal. So I'm thinking I might have this guy a little on the low side. Um, he should be in full contention for a roster spot this season. I think, uh, with the team, uh, his sample size is small, but it's been good. What are your thoughts on Ristolainen? I are two. I, I was very high on him when they signed him. Uh, cause it, you know, once they sign a guy, obviously I'm going to be like, all right, let's check this guy out. Um, but watching a lot of his stuff, uh, at Ilvis in, um, in Finland, I was really impressed with how he played. Cause he's a, a guy kind of out of that similar mold as Paterka. He's like a smaller, like a smaller, older version of that, where he's just a dog on the puck. Uh, he's very quick. Uh, he's like a, he's like a little tank too. Like he, he's a, he's a shorter guy, but like, I don't know. You can really move him off his skates too much. Like he's just, he's just a very like low center of gravity kind of player. He's got a really good shot. Um, Teeing up, watching him tee up one timers is very, it's very impressive because you don't think you're going to get that kind of shot out of, out of a guy like that, but he's got a really good one. Um, So if you want to, you know, plug him in on your second power play unit, it's probably not a bad idea because you can put him in one of the circles and have him unload. Um, I, I really think he's got a chance to either be their number three or number four center this season. Um, just based on what the, you know, what they have, like Cody Eakin didn't play very well last year. Like he might've been, he might've been the worst player on the Sabres last season. And that's, that's tough because they've been paying him a pretty good amount of money <laughs> to be on the team. Um, yeah. But he, uh, but, but Rutzelein and he's, I like him quite a bit. Uh, I want to see him have success. Like he just seems like he's, he's, he's a kind of guy that can just settle in and be like a, a hard, hard nose kind of tougher. I don't want to compare him to Marty St. Louis, but he's like the same size. Like he's not going to score like Marty St. Louis, like St. Louis did, but, um, but he's like a guy that'll hound the net. He'll, you know, sneak through those scrums a little, a little bit like Gianna and be able to get through there, but he's, he, he's, he's going to be, he should be a full-timer in the NHL this season. Yeah, I think he's got great sleeper value if you're in a, in a very deep pool. Um, 
I, I like too. You say that he think you could he could play his way onto the third line center. I mean, that's you're counting Jack Eichel or whatever they get and trade for him as the number one middle stat, and then Cousins. you know, mm, I guess yeah. If yeah, he's not Cousins on the way, probably going to end up being the number one number one center now. Maybe, Which, uh, you know, yeah. maybe they play him on the wing. Like, I think there's there's certainly a, a window of opportunity there for uh, mm-hmm. a rising player to sneak his way on to not only the roster, but onto a, a semi-prominent role. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. top six is out of the, the realm of possibility by season's end. Uh, if he can make it onto the roster to start the season and then play with some consistency, uh, there's not a lot of roster blockers on no. this main roster, right? Like, <laughs> no, no, there's not. You know, you, you think about guys who have the golden ticket with their salary, and the only one that's making, you know, besides Jack Eichel, that's making more than three million bucks is Jeff Skinner. Still no competition there. I guess uh, Victor Olson is a, sh- a hair over. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. Calipozo's making five million still. So, is he still in the and league? I, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, he is. He's got, he's got, uh, two is he really left on his contract? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's playing fourth line. So, um he's had very unfortunate turns with his career but yeah yeah all right and the last guy on the list uh this is one that i kind of you know let's let's make this one a hot take i put brett murray left winger on there 23 year old he's 6'4 215 big hulking forward um you know you look at his career drafted then he went to the ncaa and kind of pooped the bed with penn state he had one goal and seven points in 33 total games over two seasons. Pretty underwhelming there. Then he took a step backwards and went back to the USHL and left college, but didn't turn pro. Um, kind of exploded there, not too surprisingly necessarily, with 41 goals and 76 points in 62 games. And then last season, he turned pro, was an AHL rookie, 24 points as a rookie in the American Hockey League last year, led the team in scoring. Um, actually I think last year might've been his second season. Sorry, my bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot to love with this guy. He's got uh, good size. He's got some offensive jam. Uh, he's only 23 years old. Big guys can sometimes be late bloomers. I'm looking at you, Pat Maroon. Uh, there's a lot of examples of, of players. I think that's maybe a good example for something that, you know, as an upside, what he might have. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he'd mind that comparison though. Pat Maroon's got like three Stanley cup rings. Yeah, that's three in a row, even like that's it's not a bad guy to not a guy, not a bad guy to try to wind up in the same company with. Right. Yeah. Uh, so does he have any business being in the top 10 or am I out to lunch here? Uh, you're right. It's a hot take. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a hot take. Um, I like his progression, though. Um, his his road through college and like going back to the USHL was definitely an odd move. Um right. Because you don't usually go back to the USHL after being in college and being an overager and then dumping 41 goals. And it's, yeah, I mean, it looks impressive, but also you're probably the oldest guy in the league at that point. And you've already had college experience. So it's like, it's like being know. the leading scorer on your younger brother's team. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Um <laughs> But it's but then it's, he, he he continued the trajectory in the American Hockey League, which is like two steps forward. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, why I'm that's why I'm bullish on him. It's not because of what he did in the USL USHL. It's more to do with what he did in the American Hockey League last year, leading Rochester in scoring. Yeah, and you know what his his story is very interesting because when uh, when he got when he got done with that USA that the final NA, USHL season, 
it, he had a choice. It was either, and the Sabres hadn't signed him to a contract. So he either had to like go somewhere to play or figure out how to get signed by somebody in the AHL. And the, the, the Amherst were, you know, signed him to a one-year deal. And they're like, Hey man, well, you're already in our system. Just come and play here. Um, the Sabres still retain his rights, of course, but, um, but the Sabres weren't jumping out of their boots to, to get him signed to an ELC. Uh, but then he started playing well and they're like, all right, yeah, yeah, man, you got it. Like you got a contract now. So uh, he's kind of, pre- he's had to prove himself quite a bit already in the AHL and being a big guy helps in the AHL because the AHL is very physical and hmm. he played on a very physical line last season. Like there, there's a couple of big guys that he played, played alongside. And you know what? He, he's a guy that like literally everybody loves him. Uh, I remember talking with Guy, Guy Godowski, the Penn State coach, about him, and he's just like, everybody in the room loves that kid. He's like, hey, he's like a perfect guy in the room, perfect guy in the ice. Like, you couldn't ask for a nicer guy to have on your team and a more better of a room guy. So um, taking that and being able to apply it to be to also being a better player, boy, that helps out. Like, being able to chip in offensively and be able to stick up for your teammates, that's a really good way to, to really endear yourself to teammates. But I like his projection. Uh is this where he maxes out? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, let's, let's see what happens this year. Like, I'm not ready to shoo him away. I think there's, I think there's some good talent there, but, um, but I mean, you know, if he peaks as an AHLer, hey man, that's that's pretty solid considering like he looked like he might have been a little bit lost in the weeds uh, for a couple of years there while he was in development. Yeah. All right, so that rounds out the top ten. Just to review: Owen Power, Jack Quinn, John Paterka, um, Isaac Rosen. Ryan Johnson. Uh, and then I went Oskari Laxanen, Ukopekalukanen, Eric Portillo, uh, Archie Rustalainen, and Brett Murray. Hot take at number 10. <laughs> so I left out a couple of guys. And so let's talk about some of those guys real quick. Uh, you know, they got Devin Levi in the Sam Reinhart trade. And mm-hmm. two years ago, who the hell is Devin Levi? Then he plays for Team Canada at the World Juniors. And all of a sudden, he is a you know a fantasy relevant prospect to own in in the deep leagues, um, you know, made expendable in Florida because they've got uh, Spencer Knight there, and he's uh, one of the hottest goalies, um, potential future franchise workhorse goalie, and they've also got uh, Bobrovsky there signed to one hundred million dollars for one hundred thousand years, <laughs> so not a lot of opportunity for him in florida and now he's got you know we talk about ukopekalugan and eric partillo i you know devin levi's in the mix for me there too i could have easily had him uh just below or in between or just above those guys i i like his game quite a bit uh i'm late to the to the party on this i i I will admit i i only learned about him at the um canada world juniors but i liked what i saw and, you know, everything I've read about him and what I've seen is it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm rooting for him and I'm very anxious to see how he plays uh, at Northeastern. Um, Cause playing in hockey East is a good way to get a trial by fire um, because he's uh, uh, you're playing with BU and BC, you know, three, you know, three or four times a year. Like that's, you're in for it. You're in for it there. And um, so I'm very good. I'm very curious to see how he plays there. I'm pretty sure he's going to Northeastern unless I, unless he's changed that up or moved on somewhere else, but, um, but he's, uh, but yeah, I'm very interested to see how, how that plays out because yeah, you're right. I'm in the same boat as you. 
I didn't really know about him at all, considering, uh, you know, I like to think that I know some college goalies and, and whatnot, but I didn't hear anything about him. And then World Juniors, I was like, who the hell's this guy? Oh, okay. He's just going to win Canada gold medal. Cool. Neat. That's all right. That's, that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, I mean, if it works out, man, like that's, that's a great steal for Buffalo. Like, but I mean, for me, like the, the, you know, the, the slate is clean with him. Like, let's see what he can do. Like, let's see how he develops. And if he turns into something, it's a good way to, to, to get a turnaround on that Reinhardt deal because it stunk to give up Reinhardt. Like that's, it's a hard guy to give up, but, uh, but if you're able to get a goalie that can play in the NHL out of it, out of it, like a total surprise, Hey, run with it. Yeah. He didn't play any league games at all last season um, because of the pandemic, but he is a, a Northeastern university commit. Um, all he played last year was, you know, seven games for team Canada at the world junior. Uh, winning Not a medal, seven games, <laughs> winning a medal there with a 0.75 goals against average. Eh, that's all right. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So another player that we've also mentioned on my honorable mentions list a couple times is um, Matthias Samuelson. He's been slow cooking in the AHL for a few seasons now. I like that. I like that they mm-hmm. haven't rushed him along and, and thrown him in, into the mix. He's got NHL bloodlines with a with a dad that played a long time in Shell Samuelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Matias play, um, but you know, I think there are some comparisons to his dad's game uh, in that he's he's very tall, um, but he's got more <laughs> he's got more offensive instincts i think than his dad did but he is by no means an offensive defenseman he's more of a a stay-at-home physical shutdown kind of guy yeah he's you know he's a guy where he's kind of he fell into that um that kind of um ryan johnson sort of thing where a lot of guys were just kind of writing him off even before because they're just like oh it's gonna be another big lunkhead out there just gonna throw his body around and block shots and be be an iceberg on you know out on the ice and and not really be any help but I like the way he played at Rochester quite a bit. And he showed a little bit of ability to be able to jump into the play on offense. Like, cause I mean, he does have a, he, he's got a, he's got a hard shot. I mean, you don't want him cranking, you know, 200 shots a year, I don't think, but, um, but he's, you know, he, he's not completely offensively deficient. I think he can be very, I think he can be very helpful there, but he showed pretty good mobility and he showed a, a very strong ability to, to keep the play in front of him. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of those, those turnstile spins when he had guys coming at him. Uh, so I was very encouraged by, by some of the games that I saw of him uh, in Buffalo last season. And certainly the way he played in Rochester, I, you know, watching him play at Western Michigan, obviously that's a different, you know, a, a different level of, of play, but uh, and on a team that was yeah, not, not so great, but, coached by Andy Murray at the time. So like that's, that helped, but, um, but it was just kind of like, all right, look, his whole college career was just like, all right, let's see what he can do at the next level and played pretty well at Rochester. Now it's like, okay, is he in competition to be in Buffalo this season? Like he might be, he very well might be because he's, he offers a different element than basically every other defenseman on the roster because he has that, he has that size and the ability to just crush guys on the board. So mm-hmm. uh, with Ristolainen gone, uh, Samuelson makes a lot of sense as a guy who could provide that extra element, you know, and Borgen gone too, uh, to Seattle. Like that's, that's an element that the defensive side is missing. I know a lot of people don't like ha- having like hitters all over your defense because it ends up being, you end up getting your doors blown off, but 
I don't think Samuelson's shown that ability yet to, to, to just be out of his, out of his water uh, in the defensive end. So I, I like the way his game's grown. I'm, I'm pulling for the kid. Cause I think he can be, I think he can be pretty good. Um, but this is, he's got a really good opportunity to make the team right away this season. I think. Yeah. The old school lumberjack defenseman role doesn't really exist in today's NHL. Neither does the goon, which gave me some consideration for Brett Murray, not making the list either because you know, it's, he's, he's a big guy. Um, but he's not just a, an enforcer. He's not a, not even really an enforcer. He's just a big guy. Um, so I, 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 that actually is advantageous to me. I mean, it's you can't really have an enforcer, uh, a guy that's just a John Cork. His only job is to go out there for three minutes a night and punch some guy in the face. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you know, you, you hear a lot of the uh, um, the Tom Wilson answer or whatever the, yeah. the saying is, you know, so, you know, teams do have physical intimidation is still part of the NHL. And if you have some guy who's just running over your players and you don't have anyone on your roster that can do anything about it, that can be a problem. And, you know, Brett Murray and um, Matias Samuelson, those are, those are two guys that can do something about that. That can, that can answer that call. Should it, should they need to mm-hmm. uh, another couple players on this list real quick just to wrap through this you've got um uh, lucas rusek i had him targeted to play in come over from check and and start his american hockey league development and adjusting to north america and all that stuff uh and it was just announced the other day that he's gone under the knife he's having i think it's knee surgery so that's most unfortunate he's gonna miss the lion's share of the season if not all of it that's not why he didn't make my top 10 i i wrote this before that announcement it's just rotten and unfortunate nothing to talk about there uh linus weisbach weisbach um here's an interesting player he's had a little bit of an up and down production in the ncaa playing for wisconsin badgers played out his college eligibility i believe he played four seasons now he's turning pro so some of the knocks i've heard on him or read about him is that He's line mate dependent. He has his good seasons when he's playing top line with good players and he struggles to provide offense on his own. Um, he's going to play in the American Hockey League this year. We'll see if that's true or not because that doesn't fly in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think there's a prove it to me at this level that we need to see for sure. But uh, there is cause for optimism with this player i think for sure i think he's you know a fantasy relevant prospect who you might want to own and stash on your on your uh reserve list if it if it's deep enough yeah it wouldn't be a bad idea um i'm he he had a huge year last year playing with caulfield and uh i think alex turcott so it it helps to play with a couple of first rounders uh i will play with turcott two years ago i think i don't know that turcott played in wisconsin last year but i don't think he did yeah um but I mean, like, but like what you said, he's had that. Caulfield's, Caulfield's enough. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so like there is that a bit of a, is he getting points just because he played with those guys thing? Like, yeah, you know, I've Evan Rodriguez had that at BU, even though Evan Rodriguez already was already a pretty good scorer, but then he, you know, plays with Jack Eichel and suddenly he has a 70 point season and it's just like, oh, well, yeah, he can only play with Eichel. It's like, no, he was still a pretty good scorer anyways, but you know, say, you know, have your say, that's fine. But, uh, but Weisbach, didn't really have those seasons his, his freshman sophomore years he didn't really have those blow up 
offensive years where you're just kind of like, all right, maybe there's, maybe there's something going on here, but um, I'll be very curious to see how he works out in Rochester and see if he's able to build on that. Uh, because sometimes college guy, you know, if, if you go all four years in college, sometimes you need that time to develop. Um, and I'll be honest, I was, I was kind of surprised that they even signed him. Uh, I thought that there was, I thought there was a better than, better than 50% chance that they were going to just pass on signing him. But um, Sabres aren't really in the, aren't really in a position to just let people they drafted walk away. So, uh, so I get it, but, um, but I, that said, I mean, you're right. It's a hundred percent approve it kind of year for him to see like if he can stick it if he can stick at Rochester and he can and he can produce points then it's a good way to it's a good way to make sure you stay you stay known because if he's riding that bus between Rochester and Cincinnati this year then that's that's tough Mm -hmm. hey if he turns out to be one of those players that's that's only good if he plays with a good line mate you trade him to Pittsburgh he'll fit right in there (laughs) because they got Crosby and a bunch of other guys that are only good if they play with Crosby Just make him the next Jake Gensel. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, that rounds out my top 10 and my honorable mentions. Uh, I did have the Russian kids that they drafted here in 2021 as well. Uh, Poltapov and Kisikov. I'm sure I pronounced those wrong. Uh, If you have any thoughts on those guys, or if there's anyone else that, you know, I've kind of omitted here that you kind of want to shed some light on um, or tell me who I should have had in my top 10 instead of Brett Murray. Uh, I would love to hear it. <laughs> well, I, I think I already said about Samuelson. I, I probably would have had Samuelson in there, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from and having a hot take, not a bad idea. It's it get people talking, probably get people yelling at you on online. So, well, that's I get it. done. <laughs> um, uh, there, there is a guy I want to, I want to mention because he's already, he's already underway in Russia and it's uh, Nikita Novikov, uh, the defense, the Russian defenseman they took this year. I, a couple other people that I spoke with are pretty buzzed about him. Uh, I think he, it's, it's worth watching. It's worth keeping an eye on him, but he, in three KHL games this year, he's got three, three points already. And I don't know, man, they might've got a sneaky pick there uh, with Novikov. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, he's, he's certainly worth watching. Uh, Cause I mean, he, you know, if you're a defenseman in Russia, you're, you're probably, it's probably a good, pretty good chance. He's going to be on their, uh, their world junior team. I would imagine. Cause I don't, I don't think Russia's defense is very deep. Um, it certainly, I know it's not really at the NHL level uh, for the Olympics, but, um, but I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not very familiar with their, their makeup on the, uh, on the, the junior side of things, but I think he could be a guy that suddenly is going to get noticed and he'd be like, Ooh, maybe they got somebody there. But uh, the other two kids love this. I love the skill. Uh, love the skill and the creativity out of both of them, both of those forwards. I think that's, it's going to be worth watching. I am a little worried that they made those picks just based on the, uh, the under 18, under 18 tournament. So, uh, I, cause they, I know they don't have scouts in Russia, at least as far as I know, it's it, Frank Musil takes care of basically all of, uh, all of, uh, you know, uh, Eastern Europe for them. So, um, I'd be, uh, you know, if he turns out to be a guy, then, Hey, that's cool. <laughs> like if either of those guys turn out to be players, that's, that's going to be pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, that those two, I want, I want to see a Russian guy have success here and come to Buffalo and blow people's doors off. Cause I think it would be fun. Um, but yeah, Novikov, Novikov's the guy I'm going to be keeping my eye on because I think he might be able to develop into something uh, for them. I'm not going to say he's going to be like an immediate NHLer, but he might have some real skill there. 
Well, I'm looking at his profile page right now. He's, you know, they got him sixth round, 188th overall. He's six foot four, 207. So I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the U18, if they drafted him out of the U18 tournament and nothing else, I could see that, you know, seven games, five points, all assists for a defenseman plus four. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's a rookie KHL defenseman playing with Dinamo Moscow. Goal and two assists in six games, three points. Last time I checked, that's pretty good. Yeah. And he's playing Absolutely. about uh he's playing about 10 minutes a night. Uh he's got some some games that are low and one game that's high, but on average, I'd say about nine minutes. Which that's is not bad. Not bad. Like 18 years old playing in the K is pretty wild. Right. They are usually not too favorable to the youngsters. All right. Uh, so Joe, uh, your Twitter handle, it, Twitter handle is at Joe Yerden. Yerden. Yep. That's excellent. Me. <laughs> and uh, you are uh, writing for Die by the Blade. And we can also hear you on some other podcasts. I love to promote other podcasts. Uh, that Hockey Show and Talking Buffalo. Tell me a little bit about those. Yeah, That Hockey Show I do with uh, Pauly Cuthbert. Uh, we've got a host of uh, other writers or other guys around the league that that uh, that that discussed uh, discuss what's going on. Uh, Tab Bamford, uh, just a handful of other guys there uh, digging into what's going on. I last year I became the uh, I was essentially the East Division reporter, <laughs> mm-hmm. focused you know unfortunately very heavily on a lot of Buffalo stuff because that's where I'm based. But uh, it was fun to fun to dig in on that and 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 really just get get reacquainted with with hockey after you know. COVID just about, you know, sucked all the fun out of everything for everybody. But, um, but yeah, that, that was great. Talking Buffalo. I'm on every Friday. Uh, it's with uh, Pat Moran and it's casual Friday that we do. Uh, so we keep it a little bit more relaxed. We, we got lots of sports to talk about now with the bills and the Sabres and, and all sorts of stuff there. We do a top five, uh, top five list every week where we try to draft and beat each other's heads in and win the favor of the fans. So that's, it's fun to do that too. It's uh, it's, it's great. It's great to talk. I, I don't know if you noticed, I, I end up rambling quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's why I invited John to, you know, have you ramble on about your insider expertise on Buffalo Sabres prospects. This was the, the perfect guest for this episode. So thanks for that, man. I'm ha- happy to have done it because it's, like I said, it's nice to get back into this, get back into the seat and start talking some good hockey stuff again. Indeed. Uh, I apologize in advance for the miserable season you're going to have watching Buffalo Sabres games. It, you know, you just enjoy the losses and just think that's one more step closer to the lottery ball for, you know, Shane Wright or one of these other uh, elite prospects. One of the things about teams that tank, it's all about timing. There is no sense, you know, fail for nail going for nail Yakupov. Um, but, you know, being a, a Kingston guy, I watch Shane Wright play a lot. And I'm telling you, uh, he's, uh, he's worth a, a season of, of all kinds of pain for Shane. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice to know because if they stink for, if they stink badly the next two years, they got a chance to really get, get a lot better very quickly because I think uh, Bedard is the, the next one uh, two years down the road where people are, are already going nuts about him. So that's right. And the um, Russian kid too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I haven't even started studying next year's draft. Never mind two years. <laughs> never mind two years down the road. Yeah. Well, hey, when you're when you're making noise two years out, uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Yes, absolutely. All right, man. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks everyone for listening. Give Joe uh, a follow on Twitter, and while you're at it, 
follow this podcast if you don't already at dpr underscore show or myself at farling p-h-a-r-l-i-n-g give the show a like whatever you listen to on with your podcasts itunes soundcloud spotify any of those other things that i might be on that i don't even know <laughs> it hit the like subscribe share it with your friends tell the whole bunch and uh keep your stick on the ice and we'll see you on the next episode where we talk calgary flames top 10 prospects that is going to be a long one they got a lot all right we'll see you then thanks a lot joe